Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival, a.k.a. Corporal Hicks. And this is co-host Adam Zeller, a.k.a. Ridgetop. And this is AJ Bischoff, a.k.a. Voodoo Magic. Eric Xenomorphine. Okay, so uh, Eric's legally changed his last name by uh, by default. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's his last name now. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? One, once upon a time, I looked at getting... I don't know if it's a thing in the States, but you can get, like, customized license plates for your cars over yeah, here. You can here, too. And in general, people who do that are pricks. But once upon a time, I did look at getting um, HIX on the end. But I was like, you know what? No, that is too much of being a prick. Just stick to normal. Yeah, it's, anyway, it's not something you want to brag about, really. I, I'm, I'm proud of my uh, my alter ego, so uh, no, just not the nameplate. I yeah. was thinking about just doing WY Corp on mine, but still haven't done that. So I can't yeah, fit. Have... I hate crabbiters on my license plate. <laughs> so what's the point? <laughs> why, why the hate AJ? Why don't you go with I I heart Stan Winston? I heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do love Stan Winston. Ooh, very answer me. Too much focus on the negativity, man. <laughs> well, we're just anyway. going to have love today. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that type of podcast. This is episode 124. And for this episode, everybody got them handy? Yes. Paperback. Because okay. the the actual single issues of the comics, you can only get the first two. Yeah. Th- this is Predator Hunters 3, by the way. For, for the audio listeners. So, yeah, it, it was one of those small handful of Dark Horses comics that got butchered in the single run, so I feel sorry for you single collectors out Wasn't there. Wasn't it just two? This and Thicker Than Blood? Yeah. Original screenplay was cancelled full stop, and the Alien original screenplay got singles and a collected hardback on the same day that issue five came out, if I remember rightly. See, that's odd that they cancelled the singles for those two, but with Alien and original screenplay, it's still... I'm I'm sure we've talked about this in the past. Alien 3, the original screenplay, sold better than pretty much any of the other series over the last few years. Oh, I see. So they they kind of went out of their way to, yeah, to they, make sure they, that one got singles. I think with, there's a um, backlog with the printers, so they yes, just had to prioritize. With yeah. COVID, um, a lot of the printers got shut down. So it was. I think it was very much a case of they couldn't get everything out in time at the printers on the schedules, you know, because of everybody else, you know, the big, the big two as well. Big three. Would you count Image in there? Yeah, probably. But I think DC are doing their own now. Not a new thing. Yeah, wasn't there some controversy? Oh, was that, I, mean, that, I am not that big in the world of comics. I think they're doing their own distribution. Yeah. Distri- yeah. Yeah. yeah, rather than through Diamond. Yeah. Anyway, we, we're talking Hunters 3. So Dark Horse at least managed to get out one final series for each of each of the properties, apart from Prometheus, but I don't think anybody really cares too much about that one. We got enough of that with Fire and Stone and Life and Death. To be fair, I actually quite like Life and Death. Fire and Stone, not so much. Life and Death, yeah. But yeah, so we are talking Hunters 3, and I had been planning on kicking this one off, but because AJ wasn't on for Hunters 1 or 2, before we start talking 3, just going to pass it over to AJ just for a brief little rundown of, of what he'd thought of the series so far. Well, starting with Hunters 1 and 2, um, Predator Hunters series, both 1 and 2, to me, is the pinnacle of Predator comics. You know, it seems to happen in every comic series. You know, think Peter David and the Hulk 
to some degree, or perhaps Abnet and Lanning on Guardians of the Galaxy. But it's when a writer comes on board that punches through the regular franchise mediocrity and delivers stories that far surpass the tales that precede it. I mean, I've read all the Predator comics. I mean, I own all the omnibuses right over there. Is it the books you haven't really dived into? I thought there was something you weren't really... Yes, it was the books, yeah. I'm definitely all about the comics. And Predator Hunters alone was the only title that I could recommend without reservations that delivered the goods with consistency. I mean, sure, Predator comics have had its bright spots, you know, throughout the years. Um, I'm a big fan of Mark Verhaden's Predator issue one that uh, was later retitled Concrete Jungle. I'm also a huge fan of that short Predator story, 1718, by, I think, Henry Gilroy, I believe was his name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, The one detailing the uh, flintlock pistol owner. Yep. Big surprise there. Yeah. Yeah, just in case everyone knows, doesn't know, I'm a big fan of Predator 2. But other than that, they were uh, bright moments, but they were fleeting moments, you know? And Predator Hunters, to me, elevated Predator comics to a whole nother level. If I was with you fine gentlemen reviewing Hunters 1 and Hunters 2, to me, Chris Warner, the writer, wrote the equivalent of great Predator film scripts. Critics often dismiss like comic writers and they put them in this little box and dismiss this as a lesser medium. But Chris Warner delivered two wonderful stories, especially Hunter's One, that were worthy to me of becoming feature films that I would put so far above anything Black and Decker wrote for this franchise. Let's be fair, Hunters 1 and Hunters 2 are what the Predator kind of wanted to be and should have been, but so far superior to it. Completely agree. Yeah. So to me, it was just that good. So if I would have to rate them, I would rate the first Predator Hunters 1 a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah, that's high. And then the second one, I would do 8.5 or 9 out of 10, respectively. Let's say 9 out of 10. But Chris Warner, he wrote some wonderful books, and he was teamed up with some brilliant artists and colorists that extremely expertly suited the material. So I love them. Aaron, I think you liked the second one more than the first, did you not? Yeah. Uh, you see, AJ, AJ, AJ said it was like films. To me, this was more like a, a long-form TV show. Yeah, with... that's how I felt about it, too. It felt very episodic in nature. Which yeah. I like. I, I do agree the installments itself feel episodic, but so do some feature films that have sequels as well. And for me, it, it just from soup to nuts, it was just very cinematic. I could see this converted to a script and be executed um, expertly, so... I love them, guys. I really do. They're my... Uh, I wish you would come in hardcover. <laughs> They're very good comic. They're very good series. There's no denying that. I mean, we were talking before we went on the air, and I was a little surprised I'd scored them quite as low as I did in the past. But I think I think for me, that is because it felt like it was going to rely on later series. Later series. You know, later runs, later collections, whatever. But I do, I do agree. I, you know, I sat there reading three, and I was like, you know what? It's a shame they couldn't do more so we could have like one of those nice, fancy hardbacks like they did for Defiance or, or the original series yeah. collections that they did. Yeah. To me, they felt very self-contained enough that you didn't really need one, to one read and two, the prior one. Yes, yes, one yes. And two. Three's a whole different animal. 
But one and two, I felt they were still fine standalones and you weren't at a detriment if you hadn't read the first one and just started with the second one. And I think they're just really wonderful books. It was a shame to hear that Eric didn't enjoy them as much as I did. I mean, they're lighter. You know, a predator for me always is more hyper-realism. You know, it's, it's more comic book, even the films. I'm talking about Predator and Predator 2, where Alien, you know, tends to be work best on that more serious mode. And I thought these in that frame work of how the great Predator movies have been made, I think these fit wonderfully. Well, here's a question then, because you say they were so much better than everything that came before them, but so much of it was built on a foundation of those previous series. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll take Enoch Nakai. I mean, I think I like the game. I don't love it. I preferred his second visit in To Witch, to Witch on Mount Mesa. I'm, I'm losing the name here. But then again, that wasn't really about Enoch. That was somewhat with Enoch, but it was more flashbacks about his father dealing with the same predator. But here, it really stood out. I mean, I guess you can say in a way, what's a good example? I don't know if I have one. I don't know. If you guys have ever watched Captain America and you watched the first film, and then you have the Russo brothers that took over on the second one with the Winter Soldier. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of the first film, but boy, did I become a big Captain America fan after that second film. So it's not reliant on those old stories. Thankfully, you didn't need to pull out those old omnibuses to be, um, you know, up to speed immediately. And it was a nice nod to take these characters out of these books. But I think everything was improved here in execution. That's fair. And and building on legacy characters, I think, is one of the things that I really liked about them as well, because, you know, I've said so much in the past how much I hate it when the characters have to play catch up with the reader. And yeah. you didn't you didn't have that with any of the like uh, with any of the Hunter stuff, because they, the beauty of it was they'd already had their own encounters and even the new characters as well. You know, that was what was great about them. And this kind of thing is what the Predator series should have been doing since Predator 2. We should have had stuff focusing on OWLF with the knowledge hunting down rather than it always being somewhat formulaic of badass comes across predators, badass has to figure out predator and have an allergy to something else to be understood and then crack on kind of thing. So the hunter's format is certainly what I've always really wanted to see. And I do really enjoy one and two. I really do. Something where the characters are like, they know about as much about the predators as we do as mm-hmm. readers from yeah, the get-go. So, so we don't have to waste page time playing catch-up and we can actually dig into the fun and meat of stuff, you know? Well, they even catch you up in the book very well. You know, it, they don't spend much time on it. But once again, you don't need to know those previous stories because you know which every character is coming from if you've read that or not. I would argue that some of it's... Like Mandy, you might not even know she was in another comic book. I don't think they even reference it in one of they those do. books. In the first one, they do. You, you get you get the flashback to the end of Bad Blood with the helicopter and flames. And but what I um, mean is they don't reference this was Bad Blood. This could just be her flashback of her previous experience. Yeah, you know, it could be a brand new character. There's very little editorial notes in one. I think there's there's some that you know reference. Please go see um, previous series. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, no, they don't, I don't they think don't... with Mandy it was, and it just looked like her own little flashback, like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this is what she went through. And it's great because you didn't even require that previous reading. 
Yeah. I mean, the entire cast, really, I think is a bit of a surprise one, because, you know, when you think of the EU, you tend to think of John, <laughs> well, who yeah. we now know as John. So Mandy and, and Enoch were, I think, kind of surprised. And even Jaya was surprising. But when you think about it, you know, those are the big series as anyway. You know, Big Game was their second Predator series. You know, the first one relied heavily on the first film. And then Big Blood was their genuine first original thing. Bad Blood is a famous one. It, you know, it's really famous. Um, Jay is an interesting choice because I don't think Nemesis tends to be one that people really think of, but it was a way of giving a bit more history and legacy to the situation, you know, to her team and, and the concept behind it. So I think they will work. I think they'll work. I actually really fucking like Enoch. He's so fun to me, especially in this one, actually. Yeah, in, in his Montreal. personality is great. And I love the dynamic of him and Mandy and, and their banter back and oh, forth. Man, I'm so disappointed I'm not going to get to see them shackle because I thought there was some real tension going off between them in the first one. And I was I was shipping them straight away. I was like, yep, come on, get banging. But yeah. no, I'm not, I'm not going to get to see. Anyway, before we not run too much about old stuff, AJ, lead us off with... A brief review and score for number three, please. Well, I'm going to be really brief to the, I mean, we're going to get into the details throughout this podcast, but now that I've just gushed over Hunters 1 and 2, it isn't hard to imagine that I was extremely excited, thrilled to delve into Predator Hunters 3. I mean, the anticipation, I could just taste it. It was just off the charts for me when this book was announced and I was counting down the days, you know, and especially also when I got to hear that job. Schaefer was coming back. Actually, we didn't know his name was John yet. It was just Detective Schaefer. He never had a first name until Hunters 3. But I was just counting down the days and so excited. But alas, you know, all good things apparently must come to an end. And this entry in the Hunters series stumbled. And it just doesn't measure up with Hunters 1 and 2. The, the best way I could describe it maybe is to think in my terms, Terminator 3 or to some degree, Spider-Man 3, since I compared the first two to being so cinematic. I mean, there's good moments here in Hunters 3, great moments, but it just doesn't measure up to the original two volumes that preceded it. And I found part of it lackluster and dare I say, confusing. And... You know, I thought maybe with Chris Warner, we could win them all, but apparently we can't win them all. So I'd probably rate this 6.5. Yeah, I think I have to go with 6.5, you know, or or if I was giving it a letter grade, a C minus for sure. I also found this one disappointing, but I feel like this one is a victim of the cancel, uh, not the cancellation we were talking about in terms of TV shows earlier. In terms of the the license change to Marvel, because whereas one and two, while they were still felt episodic in nature, and I still felt like one was relying on stuff to come after it, they still both served and functioned as individual, satisfying, self-contained stories anyway. Three dozen, and three dozen because of what AJ said, confusing. 
Now, the, you know, when it, com- when it comes to these things, there tends to be a main character that's focused around and something to do with the Predators that's focused around. Now, for me, the main character being Herrera, his arc felt completely unsatisfying and, and com- maybe not confusing, but I didn't really get what they were trying to do with him in this one. But the Predators, which is where I think most of the confusion comes from, their behavior is not addressed in the slightest in this book in terms of from the character's point of view. And I feel like that is because it was setting something up to be followed on from later on. So I feel like this being a sudden end makes this really unsatisfying because it doesn't function on its own. Yeah, it's very anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Like even even in the context of just its own story, issue four or what would have been issue four, like the last part of the story is the weakest. Like it that's just feels it, like they rush to the end. That's when it falls apart for me. There's a lot of things in this that I like. You know, Brian Thies, I fucking love his art. Where's, um, I'm never sure how to pronounce his name. Diobaz is another one of my favorite colorists. So from a visual point of view, it looks gorgeous. There's lots of things in it I like. I love John. I love Ligachev. I'm never sure how to pronounce her name. Enoch in it as well. You know, Chris knocks it out of the park when it comes to character dynamics and character interactions, making the jungle setting different as well, tying it into the AVP aesthetic. There's lots of elements in it that I like, but with Herrera, with the two main things, the Herrera, uh, the main character and the Predator being so unresolved, make this one feel like a bit of a dud for me, a bit of a damp squib. I would go, I think, six out of ten. I think I would go six out of ten. Eric? Well, to get a little bit of a backstory, we almost did this review last week and I said to everyone, I can participate, but I don't know what the hell went on in this story. And that's honestly, I had a reread today. I now, I at least understand what they were going for, but it was very much full of red herrings. And as has just now been said, it just felt very anticlimactic. Even Schaefer's return, it felt like they they had made a story up and then they realized it kind of fell flat in a few places and they thought, oh, let's just bring in this fan favorite character to do it. And they're expecting fans to just ignore it because it's that character. Wow. But to me, that's not enough. So I'm just thinking, okay, it's that character doing that instead of some random red shirt but he's not having a meaningful contribution to the story nothing in his past comes into it nothing in his present comes into it he's there and he recognizes another character and he accidentally comes across a predator on one point and then at the end he buggers off and it's (laughs) what so yeah there's a lot of it just felt like a series of bizarre events that predators just happen to feature in and there's a there are two or three points where drug cartel gangs get attacked by a predator. And then there's this gang of Russians who are kept on getting hyped up as this best of the best, biggest of the biggest. We're awesome. We're badasses. They fared literally no better. One of them had a thermal sight. That was it. They just came across as just like ordinary mercenaries. They got attacked and there were no consequences. Predators kept on having odd disagreements with one another that didn't quite make sense. I mean, one of them you could say might have been because a human that gets killed, they were unarmed, but they did the, the human did initially pick up a knife. So even that's a bit iffy. And yeah, I, a good story is when you come out of it and it either makes you think or you just feel really rewarded for having been an audience, a part of the story. This, I either felt no better for having read it or I felt a little bit worse because it just, I just was like, what, 
happened? Why did they bring that in? If they bring that, why didn't they do this with it? And that's just how I felt. So I think in retrospect, having read the first two just before reading this the first time last week, I would probably score them six or seven out of ten. But this one I would score about five out of ten because it just... There was nothing really... Just to give another example, as was said about this drug dealer character, Herrera, at the start, he has this whole weird thing about what happened to him in the last story. And you have this mystery of that. Did he sell the group out? What's happening with him? What Did he have a weird thing going on with the Predators? And you discover it's literally... Yeah, he was asked to sell them out. He decides not to the end like why make that a red herring if it's not going to contribute to the story if it doesn't at least set events in motion for something else there's nothing and it starts off with him having this flashback to his original you know what brought him into the group i think was when his his own cartel was attacked by a predator which is nice to see but he has this whole he's got some nice biblical quotes that have this nice little subtext with what you see the predator doing but he's talking about about, oh, I would have gladly died for them. They were my friends. And I'm thinking, you're a, you're a cartel guy. You don't care about your hired underlings. They've got like a life expectancy of less than a month, probably. You wouldn't care. That was his dark past. He's, he's yeah, but now. why is he, oh, my 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 hired guns, I would have died. Why, he's, well, we'll he's, he's it was, whole survivor's it was a cartel guilt leader with, um, you know, with a heart. Survivor's guilt. Anyway, I, I just felt that a bit. Do that to a different character, not to a drug trafficker. It didn't. Well, it, Mandy, it made Mandy sense when he came back to his home and he found out literally his family had died from another drug cartel hit. That made sense. But him saying, oh, I've got survivor's guilt over my... No, that didn't make sense. But so there was... For me, it, it veered between not making sense... Why the hell did they bring this event or character in? And, oh, okay, that's nice. That's another predator attack, but so what? Because it didn't have any meaningful consequences. It didn't contribute to things overall. They brought back two characters, if you include Schaefer, from Cold War, but so what? And that's what I feel at the end of it. So, okay, these events happened. You have this whole thing about there's not one predator, there's two. What happens at the end? Well, they fight one another for not obvious reasons, and they go away. And even at the end of it, you have characters saying, I don't know whether to call this one a, a win or a loss. Oh, it's a loss. Go back home. So I have to award it. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's decent. There's some nice action scenes in it, I get. It's nice to see the disc come back from Predator 2. Yes. But I was that's not that. enough to for it to be a Predator. It's something that I felt an editor should have either gone, okay, go redo this differently or let's have a different story. Adam? So I definitely don't think we're going to be debating like we did over Thicker Than Blood with this one. I think we're all pretty much agreed that this is pretty disappointing compared to the first two. For me, it's definitely the weakest out of the three Hunters stories. I still enjoyed it for the most part, but I enjoyed the setup a lot more than I enjoyed its conclusion. Its conclusion really kind of brought the whole thing down because it was it felt so rushed. There's a lot of things I did like about it. Like you were saying, Aaron, you know me, I love the AVP temple aesthetic, especially when you put that in the jungle. It's so cool. I like seeing that in, in the game as well, uh, hunting grounds. And so to yeah, see it here with the, the, thing the Mayan with the pyramid ruins. and the Mayan ruins and about yeah. there's been like human sacrifices in ancient, I thought they were going to make a thing. Of, in fact, 
that underwater sequence, I thought, oh, they're going to bring in that aquatic predator for to concept art or something. They're going to do something with it. Nothing. Yeah. I thought a pyramid. Is it going to be a callback to AVP? Nothing. And that's that. What you said there illustrates one of the main problems of this book, which is there's so much good setup and not nearly enough payoff. They had a lot to work with here, but it just they did not work with it. That that's why I feel like it was you know a victim of not concluding because it feels like there would have been stuff that's played on later on. You know, Schaefer's reintroduced, Ligachev's reintroduced, but not much is done with them outside of going, "Hey guys, these guys still exist." Where you know, it's like I'm thinking, are they going to be showing up again? Is this conflict going to be showing up again? That kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, I I really like the the whole Predator Aztec Mayan temple aesthetic, like the underground caves and the underwater bits, and how you had their their hunting camp was in a cave and that was really cool imagery as well as like the whole Mayan underworld thing where you had like this big like cave and and underground lake with these ruins like some really cool imagery with that I I like how this really brought it back to the the jungles of South America and and it had that feel of of the original predator in that so the setting was really cool again we focus on a predator comic character's past well one that's original to the series Rafael Herrera so in Hunters 2 we we focused on Swain past and in his redemption arc but i feel like you were saying eric like there's not nearly the depth we had with swain that we have with rafael herrera in this one it's just it, it also he i mean there were hints about him being religious in the first two but i never got that he was this religious like they really played up him being religious thing in this one also, the the whole fact that he was cap not captured, but rescued by Stargazer. He was with them for a while and he came back and they're suspicious of him from the beginning of this. And then at the very end of the comic, he's like, oh, yeah, they wanted me to gather intel on you, but but I didn't. I'm betraying them. But that it's like that feels so glossed over when I feel like they could have gone into that a bit more. The art is really strong. Like each of these comics has had a different artist with the first one. We had Francisco Ruz Velasco. Second one, it was Augustin Padilla. And third one, it was Brian Fias. And all three of them have their own unique style, but you can still recognize the characters from each one. The styles don't feel like too much of a departure from the other ones that that it's not fitting. They each have their own unique artistic style. And I think they're all strong. The art is not the problem in these series at all. The art is art is well done. The problem with this one was the story. Bringing back Detective Schieffer and Legachoff in this one. Yeah, just not much was done with them. And I feel like their presence kind of detracted. Like it was almost too much. Like we brought all these all-star original Predator characters back in the first two. But having these extra ones, it just kind of took the focus away from these characters we had already been getting to know in Hunters, I, I believe. As well as the thing with John Schieffer looking for his brother. That This has been a plot point now for like, what? 30 years. (laughs) It's like, I expected that to be resolved because we hadn't seen Dutch until just recently in hunting grounds. And so when I knew this was coming, I was like, wow, Dutch is back. What a perfect opportunity for them to resolve this plot point, which they didn't. It's just left hanging as it's always been left hanging with John Schaefer's character. And especially with the stargazer mentioned. Yeah, that, that as well. So yeah, it, it seems like this will be the last time they really work with these characters because these are Dark Horse characters and I don't expect them to go forward with Marvel. So, yeah, I mean, given the production of this comic, there's no way they, they knew. There's no way they knew it was going to Marvel at the time they wrote this comic. Otherwise, it would be more of a conclusion, I think. And it, it just isn't. And that's a shame. But even even as an episodic format, I just feel that this doesn't have the strengths of the first two. 
some of the elements that worked really well in the first two are not done as well here. It feels like the same thing over, oh, we have another character. We're going into his past now and they're going to hunt the predator. They have this, in, like, it just feels like rinse and repeat kind of now. And I, I wanted the hunter's story to kind of go like explore different things other than we're going to go get these predators again now. I know that's the whole point of their group, but I wanted them to run into more complex situations like, oh, stargazers onto us. What are we going to do about this? Like, Maybe they have to ally themselves with a predator. It would have made like some interesting tension there. This group that's hunting predators now has to work with a predator or something, something completely different. But I feel like this is just a repeat of the the same storyline we got in one and two, just done less effectively. Um, that's what I felt about Ligachev's reinvolvement. Like she was going to be a reintroduction for a human antagonist going forwards with later series. Well, that was interesting, too, because she had this history with John Schaefer and she was like, yeah, spare them if you can. But also we are like a, a Russian equivalent to the, the OWLF. We're here for our own purposes. So they were friends, but they also had a, a professional rivalry. Although, I mean, John is is really not part of this this group. He's, you know, working with them, not for them. And that was kind of a weird introduction. Yeah, it was kind of a weird introduction to his character, too. Like when they're in the bar and he's like, yeah, I didn't take too kindly to that. And there's just this panel of him holding a gun to the back of Jaya's head and she looks horrified. And the next panel, he's like, yeah, but she grows on you. And like he has his arm. I'm like, that was kind of messed up. We're just like going from that to that. Comedy Um, side. I mean, mean, to, to be fair, he does talk about how he stopped taking things so seriously. Yeah. yeah um, let's get Adam's score here. First. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm rambling here. I, I would probably go with a six. I, I want to take it to a seven just because I like the art and I like the setting. And I, I do like Enoch and, and Mandy. I think Jaya too. But I think Enoch and Mandy are really the two strongest characters in the whole series for me. Especially now that Swain's dead. Yeah. Which I still wish he would have died in the second one. I think they could have yeah. done more with his character after his redemption. Six. Is, yeah. So let's run along we, with our. We didn't ratings. see Artemis in this one at all. No. Either, right? No. Yeah, we saw no. nothing of Jaya's Island, really. No, no, it's not. We did see the island. island in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that's and, uh, right. right. Raphael Herrera's so looking Just a little bit the in the water. beginning, yeah. But maybe uh, if we can start with Raphael Herrera here, because I really struggled with his arc here. Mm-hmm. You know, the previous arcs in the previous Hunter series was great to me. I mean, the arc of Enoch Nakai in Hunters 1, where even if you go far back in big game, Enoch fell out of place in the military. And then on um, Blood on Twitch Mesa, Enoch fell out of place with his spirit. And then even in the beginning of Hunters 1, Enoch fell out of place in a alone, asleep, dead to the world, working for this crummy boss at a gas station. But by the end of that story, he feels alive. For the first time in his life, he feels alive. And then you move to Hunters 2, and it's Enoch's bully uh, Swain that gets the spotlight, right? And that bully behavior, it's masking his pain. And he gets to finally redeem himself from deserting his brothers and sisters on that battlefield in Afghanistan. So I see Swain's art clearly. But in Hunters 3, Raphael Herrera, is he's in a strange place. I get that. Uh, he's struggling with his drug cartel days and the fact that so many innocents had to die due to his discretions, including his wife and child. But now he's like in this deep funk, much more than ever before. I'm not certain what brought that funk on. I, I guess it was due to his near-death experience. But I'd much rather have seen this brought on by just returning to the cartel jungles of South America and bringing his awful memories back to the forefront. But 
he wonders why God has allowed all of this pain when he would actually do God's work, right? I mean, he killed a devil. He was saying that he killed a predator. He was doing God's work, one of God's enemies. Yet two days later, when he finally made it out of the out of the jungle, he found his family, his his wife and child recently killed. So he, he just didn't understand why you're doing God's work, why he would still be punished. And then at the end of the story, the, the predator, one of the predators hands Raphael this cross. And does he not consider these predator creatures? I don't the think work he had it. Yeah, he just had the predator had a cross necklace and he noticed it. He never handed him. A no, but he yeah. had it in his hands. He had, he had his own. That's what I took from it because they look very, they look very different. Um, Okay, so say they're like seeing it and then looking at his own, and he's so say they're different, right? Does he not consider? Does he not consider these predators the work of Satan anymore? You know, and Mm -hmm. perhaps he doesn't see them as evil anymore. Perhaps he he now sees them as an agent of God or something else entirely. And he left the whole experience with a quote unquote lesson. Right. He said it was a lesson, a lesson learned that he should live on in misery until he can let the evil go that lived inside him. And I just have no clue what that means and how he got there. What was his arc? The, the only thing I took from it was that the lie was the final sin to be let go of, you know, the the line to the Hunters uh, team. And I was like, yes. that, is, that is fucking weak. That is weak. <laughs> well, he's, he says he's it's all about betrayal. He felt he feels he's betrayed others through various means. And he says, my final betrayal will be to Stargazer because I'm not giving them intel or something. I'm thinking there, like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, but if an organization like Stargazer has done that, they've got some other they're not just going to let you go. What? What? You, they're just going to go. Okay, you go off if you don't tell us anything. Darn it! I mean, well, he's going to be prosecuted gonna... if he didn't work along, right? He yeah. said he yeah. was going to be tried for some multiple of crimes. Well, yeah, but he says, "Oh, I'm going to come back to this group and I'm going to disappear." So he's not yeah. saying I'm going to go to. Well, no, I think he did. I think he just said he was just going to fuck off and disappear into the jungle. Um, and who knows? I, w- I will stay on here, disappear. Yeah. That's perhaps he's going to use the group to give himself a new identity or whatever. But it's just so. Yeah, I never felt like he was going to leave. Red herring. And who knows what what point in the uh, chronology this is with Stargazer? Because after the events of the Predator, they are no longer an official government organization. They become a, a rogue organization if we're going by hunting grounds. After that, so they'll have much you know less power to go after this guy if it's if it's after that. And it would have been because we did see a bit of Stargazer in the second one, but we see nothing of them in this one. So if this was close to that period where they mess up during the events of the Predator and therefore they are no longer part of the official government Predator task force, like it would have been interesting to see some of those events at least mentioned or shown a little bit. But I don't know, maybe that would have been too much. I mean, the, the series was pretty bloated as it was anyway. So but I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with AJ. You know, the, the arc is unclear. You know, just, I thought it, when he was it, praying at the end, I thought it was just oh, the this Lord's is going to reveal everything. Yeah, interesting. I, yeah. yeah. I was wondering if any of you guys had translated that. I had translated half prayer. of it, and I'm like, this is the Lord's prayer. Okay, I thought this was going to be a big reveal into what where he went from A to B. And when I translated it, I'm just like, this is the typical prayer that everyone knows. You know, did anybody yeah. translate what Jaya said when she saw the Mayan underworld? No. Go on, surprises. Well, I, 
I haven't. I'm going to do that right now, actually. Um, so I guess I'm not totally prepared here. <laughs> so she says, E. Lajawab Hai. Oh. <laughs> but but what, what does that mean, Adam? I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd already looked it up. It's all that's clear that's, now. Yeah. Probably like a Spanish. It's, it's like, no, it's, it's, like it's like wow, that's incredible in Indian. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So it's like that moment in AVP where she says, "Like, how do you say it's Hunter's Moon or whatever?" And you get this long <laughs> sentence that means nothing. No, that's yeah. the. I scared myself. I'm scared. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. No, he I'm intentionally so did that as a joke. If you look at the actual translation, but well, it's something like I'm so scared I could shit my pants right now or something like that. Some, yeah, it's a long. But it's like, but then I want to be in this pyramid with you. Like he made some kind of hint that he was flirting with her or something. What is it with people being so horny in these situations? <laughs> I mean, alien and sexual. Well, they had that deleted scene in AVP where, like, uh, Lance Henriksen's. It was funny. He's like, "Well, they they breathe each other's breaths." <laughs> like this. What? So there was there was a deleted scene in the original AVP where right after Sebastian rescues Lex from falling, where they kind of have like a moment. Oh, the the, the moment another. on the bridge. Yeah. And he says, what? what are you on about Lance for then? Because that, that was in the commentary where Anderson was like, uh, commentary for the deleted scene. Oh. Because well, it's not the characters. Yeah. No, it was just a funny. <laughs> sorry, I confused you there. It was just a funny commentary by Lance. I, was thinking, Anderson, I don't remember what you were saying. Anderson was like, well, they have this moment here where they, uh, Lance was like, well, they breathe each other's breaths. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. But. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh. They, they, it was it was ripe. There was potential there. I mean, I love that Warner will actually plot out pages and just have Jaya and Herrera look out into the ocean and have all this reflection. Yeah. And it's just based on dialogue. And it's wonderful that Warner does this and plan for this. And it looked like you have the raw material to build something wonderful. And I remember when Rafael Herrera mentioned that he was sort of doing this suffering and, and trying to redeem himself with God. I think it was in the car when they had first picked up Enoch Nakai. And I think the potential is there to maybe tell us the best story, but it almost seemed like he had one too many shots of vodka. And yeah. it, it made sense at something the time. Voodoo would know about. <laughs> something Voodoo would know about. That is absolutely fair. And it made sense at the time. But then once you sober up, you go, what? Where? Huh? I mean, also, I mean, it feels like at odds with the original Predator film where you have Anna talk about, you know, the demons that make trophies of man. And then Dutch is the one who says, you know, if it bleeds, we can kill it. He realizes it's not a god. It's not a mythological thing. We've just misinterpreted it. And you'd think someone like Herrera, who is with this group, that they literally have a trophy wall of all this predator stuff. Yeah, and he, he got a He bit would realize it. it's not an agent of God. It's like, no, it's not that. And, and that's I why don't I have thought, to be guilty. That's why I thought like his religious sensibilities were were more subtle in in the first one, and I think that was well done. And if you want to explore that more, that's fine. But yeah, someone who's been hunting predators for a while and he's like, oh, these are agents of the devil. It felt kind of weird. It's like you know, these are aliens, like just here to to kill. It seemed like he put too much of his religion into what he was doing. Yeah, projection. That, that doesn't mean you can't have his religion be a, a central part of his character and and part of his development and growth. You can still absolutely 
really explore that. But for him to like put the Predators into that context, I just don't feel like it works too well. I agree. And that's that's what I was saying before is like, what got him there? Was it that near death experience? I mean, there was there was some of this in the first Hunters. I don't think much of it in the second one. But what brought him to this point of just depression, you know, and reliving it? It'd be great if he entered the jungle and all these memories rushed in, you know, because he's back where he was a drug cartel lord. I mean, and, it'd even play into um, into the events of Hunters One as well, because you know he was left for dead on a on a jungle island. You know, there's there's plenty of opportunity there for um, PTSD to come in and, and actually justify his his me seek complex. You know, his distance is pain. Wasn't his ear cut off? Me-seek. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and yeah, we he's never covered with hair. Uh, yeah, we he never mentions like we never see that. Not that it's really that important, but it's still like no. He does mention out. it on the beach. He says that they were taking. I guess they were going to take piece by piece or something like. Oh, that. He was okay. mentioning that to Jaya Just a on little the shore. Yeah. Yeah, but, but not too much. And it was always covered with hair. He had that hair longer yeah. now. Well, speaking of his long hair, actually, um, and on one of Eric's favorite franchises, did anybody else think he looked like John Wick when he was uh, in the flashback going to his home? Not when I was reading it, but while, as you mentioned it now, yeah, yeah, definitely. His dog, man, you killed his dog. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it was his wife and child. But uh, nah, he was crazy character. But hey, speaking of arcs, I don't know if you guys don't mind if I push to John Schaefer here. With John Schaefer, and you guys know, I was just super excited about his return. And as we were mentioning with Raphael, every character, right, needs a arc and a clear one, right? They need some sort of the main characters. They need personal growth. And when we learned that Dutch Schaefer's brother would finally return into comics after so many years, I was bouncing off the walls with excitement. I mean, it's been since, I think, either 95 or 96 since Predator Dark River. Yeah, Dark right? River, yeah. Since we've seen Detective Schaefer. And with this announcement and the announcement of Dutch 2025 in the Predator Hunting Grounds video game and his return to canon, and listening to those wonderful lore tapes recorded by Arnold Schwarzenegger detailing what Dutch has been up to since his encounter with a Predator in 1987, I expected to see Schaefer finally reunite with his brother, but that didn't happen. None of it. I read those original comics, what became Predator Concrete Jungle back in 1990, and 30 years later, Dutch's brother is still in the same damn spot of his life. The same spot. I mean, he's, he's trying to find his brother Dutch and nothing has really changed about him there there's no arc no growth we finish Predator Hunters 3 in the same spot as Predator Concrete Jungle issue 4 in 1990 where Dutch's brother is still looking for Dutch I mean we, we get a little yeah. piece of information well, right we get his first name is John we learn can, can, can no I just say how much I appreciate him having such an ordinary and average first name you know having all this time not knowing what his first name was for them to <laughs> Just go, John. I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm all, I'm all good for that. Can I, I just play devil's advocate? Could it have been maybe that they did plan to do something with Dutch, but then they couldn't get the likeness rights or something off of Arnold? Or so it could have possibly been a right. It could have been so many things at the end of it the day. It fell through at the end. You, you know what? You, you can't, though, plot your third book as not... 
I mean, you have to plot it as individual stories, as individual yeah. pieces of entertainment, yeah. of individual pieces of satisfaction. It's almost like the end of Back to the Future 2. I don't know if you guys ever seen that film where it actually says to be continued. Yeah. Okay. I was in the theater. I actually saw to be continued. I'm like, what the? Yeah, I don't want to curse. But um, I think that's one of, just to interject here, that's one of the few movies where they have a trailer for the sequel at the end of that one. I know they did it with The Matrix Reloaded as well. But you don't yeah, see that they very often. them back to back, right. both of yeah. those. And at least you have that coming six months later. This, yeah. and you know, it takes so long between each volume, you know? I mean, regardless of Dutch coming back, Schaefer himself should have had more. And it's literally, hi, guys. Oh, I know her. Okay, I'm off. Um, that I mean, is it. There's nothing. We get little nuggets like he's a freelancer now, funded by Jaya and Trade for Intelligence. But other than that, this character has gone and still continues to go nowhere. And let me add real quick of what a complete dick Dutch Schaefer is or must be. Because according <laughs> to canon lore, tapes, and Predator Hunting Grounds, Dutch has been hunting predators for all this time since 1987, but he can't pick up a phone and tell his brother he's still alive. I mean, what did, did John steal Dutch's G.I. Joe toys when they were kids? And this <laughs> is his I payback? Was thinking that. I'm assuming this might have been written before the Hunting Grounds yeah. game thing came out. There, there always seems to be very little actual inter-company communication yeah. between each other. I mean, even to the point where Stalking Shadows, the book of the, the game, they barely communicated with each well, other. The Dutch, yeah. yeah, Dutch was very elusive in, in the Stalking Shadows book as well. And he was very much like, you'll hear from me again sometime. But you would think with his own brother, especially if his own brother was actually trying to find him and encountering the Predators, like if this was something where Dutch was trying to protect his brother, it's like, you're not doing that because he's trying to find you and he's running into all these Predators trying to find you. If you're going to bring John Schaefer back after this many years, resolve that damn plot point already. Otherwise, just don't bring him back. Exactly. Like for, for me, it's it's like in the context of Hunting Grounds, Dutch doesn't have a brother in that canon because if he did, yeah, he would be a he would be a dick. And I don't want Dutch to be a complete dick. So unless there's a real reason and justification why he he would not, you know, touch base with his brother for that long. And if you're going to have that, cool, explain it. If not, then it would be better just to leave that as its own thing. Like that was its own story that concluded with the last comic that he was in before this. But if you're going to bring him back, resolve the plot point. It's just a plot point that's gone on for too long. And when you bring it back, it's like, oh, he's still looking for his brother. It's it's just irritating. It was a nice shot, though, with him in the smoke from the first film. That's all I can say yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I like about this story is the flashback sequences. And I thought that was cool in the previous, the first one as well, where we see predators we've seen before in a different art style in this art style. Like in the original book, we see the predators from Bad Blood in the art style of that one in Mandy's flashback. And it looks really cool. In this one, you have Herrera's flashback and you see that cool Aztec looking predator from the first Hunter's comic. And I'm like, yeah, yes. I, re- I really liked how he actually called back to the actual design rather than over stylizing it as something new it did look like that predator from hunters one it was great and the same thing with a schaefer going back and talking about his brother's encounter like we see some glimpses of the predator and like you said that shot of him in the in the smoke at the end of that it was really well done here without seeing his face for copyright reasons to me, the timing felt calculated, though, because we saw Elphonic and their Predator Hunting Grounds video game team work with NECA, right? And NECA designed the Alpha Predator, 
you know, the first predator. And I don't um, think that was too coordinated. From what I understand, they just saw what NECA was doing with the alpha and they're like, that's cool. Maybe we could put it in our game. Well, if I remember also, Jared told you guys or something that they might have like had some conversations with Dark Horse. And it just seemed very strange that when when the Schaefer's brother was being announced, so was Dutch 2025. And you think, yes, after all this time, it would have been linked, you know, and we could have learned that because we haven't seen John Schaefer since 96. So he could have met up with Dutch in 97, 98, 99. And then at this point, when we're catching up with him now, you know, it's not, it's no longer an issue. He has other characters. Been a, that would have been a good way to do it. He yeah. did meet up with him. But then mm-hmm. I guess yeah. you'd have people that were like, yeah, well, we didn't get to see that. But it would still resolve that plot point if you're like, I finally caught up with him. Here's what happened. Especially when Dog River ends with General Phillips at gunpoint going with, you know, John going, you're going to fucking tell me where he is. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been, it would have been like, I met up with him, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Which, to be fair, just... as, as frustrating as that would have been, it would have shown some growth in what That would have been doing. his flashback when he do his story. In, in Hunters 4, yeah. yeah. I did think um, it was weird when John insists I think it was Mandy, call him detective. It's like, you've already said in the bar, you're an ex-detective. No, he didn't He didn't mm-hmm. say that. She was asking him, how did you find these guys? And he went, it's Detective Schaefer. I find, my living was oh. finding stuff bad guys oh, didn't want me to find. I thought he was just correcting her, like, call me Detective Schaefer. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what I got too, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, it felt like that. I do like that, the level of distrust sense. that they showed Raphael. Well, that, I mean, that that was interesting because it was, you know, you, uh, Eric, I think you said earlier, you know, Dutch didn't, Shay John didn't bring anything to it, but him and his dynamic with Herrera, with them being polar yeah, opposites, on like one, yeah. one was a narcotics cop, one was a narcotics um, lord, drug lord, whatever. So that, that little dynamic was nice, but him and mm. I think it was Enoch specifically not trusting him while Mandy was pretty much jumping down John's throat. Yeah, she's you know, like, go back to New York, old man. I hear the donuts are excellent. I'm thinking you haven't even. Well, to be fair, Mandy has been with Raphael for a long time. And from, from the beginning, as far from as the we beginning. know. Yeah, but yeah. they've been predator hunt. You'd think she'd at least want to know has he discovered new advantages or something. I must say, talking about the dynamic he had with Herrera, I did like that bit of dialogue where he's talking about, well, I can smell a drug lord or whatever. Oh, and cops make Herrera, employees. Yeah, I but, thought yeah, that was brilliant. It's, they usually get like this just before was they make the price. Yeah. I did like that bit of dialogue. It's it's that character interaction that Chris Warner brings. He does I mean, it you know, so brilliantly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, I gave this, what, a 6.5, and the good stuff, or probably my favorite aspect of this book, is when all the characters of Jaya's team, Shafer, for uh, Ligachev uh, all converge in that same Burmese watering hole. And this is where Chris Warner always, you know, shines to me. These long character moments, the way these characters interact. Think about how many pages were plotted out in this bar. You know, who does that in comics? That's a monster book, right? Police, not, not Burma, by the way. Uh, okay, thank you. And, you know, the way these characters interact, they all have a unique way of doing so and and recognize and not trusting Raffaella because he was that drug kingpin, because he once was. And this, this all felt to me, again, as I, I say, cinematic, and that's Chris Warner's strength. And it's so f- hard to find these kind of sequences these days. You know, the dialogue feels fun, but authentic and engaging. And Chris Warner gets that. And to 
me, this is the key of his books so far, the popularity, why readers get invested in these characters. They're not paper thin, but there's something more, you know, that these moments is what makes writer Chris Warner adored by me. You know, he can keep a reader engaged with just pages of pages of Bartok. And that particular scene I just loved. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, you know, going to my shipping bit, you know, just that little comment with Mandy and, and Enoch, where they're just talking about how good he is at stacking beers. You know, there's just, yeah. it's it's very much like that real world small talk that endears you to them, but it's not boring because it's not necessarily blood and guts, but you, you are at this point with three runs in, four if you count everybody's individual sort of stories, where, you know, you know these guys and, and you're happy to just be there with them and, and, and enjoy the interactions. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's why they were such a good dynamic with Enoch and, and Mandy is because, yes, they would snipe at each other a lot, but even since the first Hunter's comic, they had moments of, like understanding and even affection going later into the, the stories. So yeah, it, it, it was kind of a cool dynamic that they would always just kind of squabble with each other, but there were moments where they were friendly with each other. So I would have liked to have seen them grow in that, like if this would have continued kind of like a bond like she and Herrera had where she gets a closer bond with, with Enoch. And if this would have continued too, I would have liked to have seen Enoch confront something in his past, similar to how Swain and, and Herrera did. I think that would have been a good I'm sure story. they were probably gearing up. Well, Enoch, it was about finding meaning, right? That's what we found. Yeah, Enoch had the first what? series, really. I think I think a four would have focused on Mandy because, I mean, a, a, a little chunk of her sort of character arc in, in the first one was she was the one with survivor's guilt. She... Mm wanted to die i don't i don't think herrera's was so much survivor's guilt in this one more just again like i said a, a mr meeseeks complex where it's just angry at being alive whereas uh, mandy when he said about my my mission now is to go on suffering so it's sort because of... his family was killed because of what he was doing the life yeah. he was living. I, don't, I don't think that was necessarily the surviving the predator more the consequences of his lifestyle choices i mean yeah, I don't all, think all was... of it was wrapped up into this big old ball of venomous. yeah it was it wasn't particularly clear in terms of this but yeah I think I think a four we would have seen focused on Mandy and it would have been nice because I, I think it would have been logical for Enoch to have been heavily involved well it is um, the characters that were new like you said Swain and Pereira so we would have been coming to the characters who had appeared in comics before as uh, it went on or it would have been Jaya because she was I mean even though she's a yeah, legacy the yes. descendant she's still original so let's talk about the Predator characters <laughs> Yeah. I'll let uh, you start with this one, Peter. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These predator motivations. So, but what motivations? I, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I really struggle with understanding these predator motivation in Hunters uh -huh. 3. And I honestly, I honestly, hear me out. I don't know who to blame. Okay. <laughs> um, and, 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 and don't hate me. Don't hate me, Aaron. But unlike AVP Thicker Than Blood, okay. Chris Warner carved out the real estate pages in this series to depict the communication, disagreements, the dynamic between these two key predators. But what is that dynamic? <laughs> I don't knows. know. <laughs> Nobody does. I'm, I'm certain based on the expertly crafted Hunters 1 and 2 that writer Chris Warner probably had an understanding of what was up with these two predators. So 
was it artist Brian Thies that was incapable of artistically realizing it to the readers? Or was it the Predator dynamic too complicated or convoluted for Brian to convey with the drawings? It, it I was, don't know. It turns out that they just missed the uh, text boxes. But they uh... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, like, were these predators? Funny. Were these predators of father and son? Were they brothers, perhaps? See, I mean, clearly the predators. I clearly, thought, we see these at the end of issue one. I thought it was exactly that. I thought it was a father son dynamic where one was teaching the other how to hunt. But then, as it went on, I was like, actually, this seems the wrong way around. I thought Sil- I thought Silverhead was the older teacher, and Copperhead would be the younger one. Now, I don't know if that was just because I was reading into Jungle Hunter being the more mature one because he's silver, and then City Hunter being the younger, more reckless one because he was copper. But it, it didn't work out like that. And then uh, all I got from it was that Silverhead was reckless and Copperhead wasn't. That's Maybe about all I could figure spell- out. From it. There's also a moment where Copperhead, though, like Silverhead comes to show him a trophy and Copperhead smacks it out of his I hand. I don't like it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what, what's going on with that? Like, I, cause I was confused which predator was which for a second there. I was like, I thought the one that smacked the trophy out was like, how right. do you me that? Like, it's not a predator than- kills that drug cartel member that looks like uh, King Willie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, by did that, you, did that you hate a predator that? Two reference. Well, yeah, well, we'll, well, get, we'll get to there. He... We'll get to there. We'll get to those references. But he's holding him by the dreads, and then he shows it was the a head. valid kill. He shows the head to the other predator, and the other predator slaps it away <laughs> while the other predator is cleaning heads himself. Yeah, was it that he was cleaning a skull? Was he like he was sculpting yeah, a skull? And I thought it was really cool. The little hologram. hologram. I couldn't figure out what he was yeah, doing. He, had a, he was 3D scanning it, and he had this holographic display, <laughs> and he had this little like pen that had a, a holographic beam out of it and then you could That's see yeah you could see the skull in the hologram so i thought that was actually wow. really cool because he was recording the skull and who knows like sending it back to his clan yeah. like hey here's this trophy i got yeah. or whatever but yeah that was weird because i always took like silverhead was the reckless one and then the the copperhead was the the one that was more responsible but copperhead is the one that that smacks out this valid trophy from his hand i was like what are you doing like because i thought that was the, the other predator because of that behavior so they're they're both like it i got the impression that these were hunting partners that didn't like each other that maybe they were assigned by the clan because they didn't like each other like the clan leader would be like well you two need to work together because you don't like each other or something that's a lot of filling well, in well, the, the, the fall the fall <laughs> out they were um copper lets the diver go and then silver goes in after her and kills her while she's like drowning people in this comic too that happens twice <laughs> but to, to be fair i actually quite like that you know you know me i like different kind of stuff so i actually really enjoyed them using that as um as a mechanic but yeah the motive and then you get to the end you get to the end silver's taken two stabs from john and that's like oh god that's it i've had enough sets his self-destruct off and copperhead tries to stop him what the fuck are you you doing doing? he spits on him and then he kills him and it, it kind of reminded me even of the first hunters too like when they give the predator back his armor and he activates something like I had initially thought in that okay he's signaling his ship to come pick him up and we'll see this predator character in the future it's like no he just self-destructed as we found out in hunters 2 I'm like why did you do that like you you weren't mortally wounded I know you lost all all of the rest of your friends here but you finally have an opportunity to get rescued from this hellhole you've been living on for hundred years and you just <laughs> self-destruct now and so in, in this one it was like wait you're self-destructing just out of spite 
right? Okay. Like it, yes, it, it did not make much sense there. The predator dynamic with those characters. I mean, I did kind of like the idea at first, like, okay, these are partners that don't like each other, but they're still working together. Like when one of them's injured, the other one still helps him out and still helps him get to the point where they were going to be rescued by the ship. So it needed context and narration, or this was like, why I'm like, perhaps this is something that's being delved into later. You know, perhaps there's some division going off in a particular predator clan or something that's going to spill over into other series because Herrera, I think sees this or sees the end of it. And it's not relayed at all in the last few pages. You know, it's like, what, what was the point of all this? I have no fucking idea what's happened. It was a lover's tiff. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That could explain it. Actually, you never know. They're like married predators. That's how they just have arguments. (laughs) 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 Or that we're going back to thicker and blood. They're a brother and sister predator, and they're just not. And that's their version, (laughs) self-destructing. That's why I would love to know who was at fault here or if it was mutual. If it was Brian not conveying the relationship correctly that was on the page or was the page, the script itself, you know, the problem here. Do you guys I like can't... how they looked, though? The designs of their mask and their armor and stuff? Oh, the masks was, yeah. was definitely cool. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I, I really liked the artwork as with all three Predator volumes. You know, I really do love the art book in this book. And why I still hold the artist Francis, Francis Ruiz. Velasco, I think. Francisco Ruiz Velasco, yeah. Okay. Well, I still hold uh, the Francis Ruiz Velasco uh, from Hunters 1 as the best, which I know someone mentioned in the forums reminded us. Yeah, yeah, I, I prefer two, didn't you, Aaron? The, yeah, I really like two because it was I love two. It was very primal. There's a lot of lights and shadows stuff in number thick two, blacks in, in it yeah. as well. Which well, I mean, great. I loved it in two too. I mean, it's like you know, both are tasty, delicious dishes. It's just the first one I preferred. But I, I thought Brian Thies here did a terrific job, also depicting the um, the story in this book. You know, the jungles, right? And he drew some really cool predators, like uh, Adam was saying especially with their bio masks on. And I love their dynamic poses. Like when one of the predators is throwing the cobby stick or um, when the predator was ripping out the vertebrae in Harara's flashback. And that's the one I actually purchased, guys, if you recall. I actually have that artwork right over here. You got the flashback one. I thought you got the money shot from the end of one. No, the flashback one. Let's see if I can. Oh, no. Ah, so you 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 didn't get this Predators. This series is Predator. That's that's a great shot. That's gorgeous. I didn't know you had like a little book of uh, comic panels there, Voodoo. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, I actually love that shot. And I just love the interesting look of the mask and the circular eye slits. And it just gave me a real eerie feel. I mean, we can't credit Brian to the design because, you know, that design was in the first one in a less dynamic pose. But uh, I just thought it was wonderful. And I was like, you know what? I got to get my hands on this. And uh, it's interesting with Brian's art because he does this like dot screen part. Yes, he does. It's gorgeous because it's one of those things. The dot shading? Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the shadows and stuff, right? I wouldn't even call it shading because it's not always super fine, but it has like a texture to it that... It's a texturing. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. 
There this is- artwork I have is layers, so it's just not one page. And what he does is um, he does something interesting. He draws the image, he inks it, and then he draws on a separate piece of paper, on an art paper. He paints like wash effects, like with watercolors around where certain parts of where he wants this, these dots to appear. And then when they're scanned in the computer and they're merged, the wash, the watercolor wash becomes this dotted pattern. And it's so, so interesting. Yeah, that's that's really cool because yeah. that's that that is one of the things I really like about him because the, this isn't Brian's first series. He did three entries in the Life and Death run. He did Predator, AVP, and Prometheus: Final Conflict, and that that style you know, that's his style in all of those as well. You know, that's Brian's thing, and I think it looks gorgeous. You know, one of the things that Chris Warner has done in every single series for Hunter so far is he has just given his artists a chance to go fucking nuts with money and glory shots of, of the Predators ripping shit up. And it's fucking gorgeous. Every single one of these series has had pages and panels that just want buying or or even you know with the coloring you know just printing off and shoving up on your wall it's fucking it's brilliant or I, I love that chris has given them the chance to do all these you know interesting money shots of the predators and they've all been quite different as well which has been great did you notice chris warner's illustration of silverhead he did, he did some of the covers didn't he yeah, yeah he did a variant cover yeah. i think it was. Yeah, he's a good illustrator in his own right that's well he um he did the artwork on concrete jungle did he not or yes, also on the first AVP as well, or is that yes, not? Yes, no, he he did. He might might have done a couple of issues of the first one because they had artist problems on that. So I think I think he might have done two and three or three and four. And speaking of, of co- cover art, we yeah. forgot to uh, mention in our last podcast that Doug Wheatley actually someone brought that up in the forums that Doug yeah, Wheatley did Hunters One. Yeah, did cover art for Hunter's One. That's so. always cool when you have a writer also doing the art. Didn't we see that with Dead Orbit? Yeah, that that was all one creator. Because then you don't well, have the artist translate translating what the writer's trying to say. The writer is the artist. That. So yeah, but, you have like Frank Miller. He does that. And, dust uh, to Dust had it as well, but um, Rain Burrito did the coloring. Gabriel Hardman just did the writing. Just um, no did did the writing and the uh, the line work. Yeah. yeah. And and we haven't mentioned, you know, Wes as well. Adam, surely you recognize the name Wes. Yeah. He did the recoloring for that fucking oh, that's right. Yeah. Now I um do. reissue of, of AVP Zero and, and Blood Time that, that we both really love. Comic, yeah. That came with the special edition of AVP twenty ten. And he also did the recoloring for all of the two thousand and nine relaunch, actually. Which had great coloring as well. Yeah, he's he's great at coloring, and I would love to see him do a remaster of that original AVP comic. And every time I pull that little hardcover that came out with AVP 2010 off my shelf, and I go through that, I'm just like, man, they should have mm-hmm. just done the full comic because it looks so good. It looks like a, a new comic all over again. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a crime. Colors are cool in their own right, but it's like give that line art with new colors just looks so good. Like just give mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And it's a, it's a crime we haven't seen uh, Raymond's one of them back as well because his covers for the that relaunch were phenomenal and then his cover for the little hardback is gorgeous as well. Also, Jonathan Wayshack did some of the covers for this as well and his stuff is is really strong. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if you guys notice about me, but I am a big fan of Predator Two. And oh, really? <laughs> really? Never never would have known. And uh, while I appreciate um, writer Chris Warner, in a way, showing respect to the greatest Predator film of all time, these homages that we got in this Hunter's Three book. Look, before up to this point, 
we like in in the previous Hunters One and Hunters Two, right? Both. Yeah. We've we, we've Baron never Baron seen. Is holding up a panel right now. That's the yeah. exact shot of like King Willie's head being taken in so, Predator so, Two, where you see the Predator's ankle from the back. So we've never seen these homages before, right? And I think with these homages of both Predator Two and AVP, to me, it made this story feel less unique and somewhat drains from its own identity. Now, if you craft one homage, say the King Willie decapitated head scene, that would be okay with me. But um, from the way at the end, the ship uncamouflages to half a dozen predators coming out and carries the dead one back on the stretcher, all like AVP. And then the elder predator standing there that uh, I guess it looked like he was greeting Herrera. As far as I know, I don't know. At the end, it all starts like feeling like it's the greatest hits. And Chris Warner ran out of inspiration and story ideas to tell, at least to me. It felt like they were—they were more like they were padding. He was trying to give things a little more significance, but yeah, I think when over a certain number, especially when they're done in quick succession, you there is that feel like things like the Predator Two disc. That was just nice to see because yes. I've, I've been waiting for them to bring that back. But yeah, I, I did like after, as you say, you saw that group of predators come out. I did start to think, are there eggs in that pyramid? Oh. <laughs> I have to disagree, I think, with you on this one. As somebody who truly loathes overusing things... Well, you're a Predators lover. I know you. Uh, well, that's because you're always wrong about uh, the <laughs> thing. I think I, I, li- I liked the Predator 2 homage. I was hoping you'd hate it just so you, that you weren't, a, uh, <laughs> you weren't a hypocrite. But... Uh, I actually, I actually quite liked it. I thought it was a cute little moment. It took up all of yeah. It was so two quick. I, I didn't have an issue with it myself. I was like, oh wait, that's like King Willie and Predator Two, and that was the extent of my reaction. So I I enjoyed it myself. But even the thing at the end with the Predator ship didn't didn't bother me at all because again that was like half a page on its, its own. Fine, but when it's accumulation, it just yeah, but it makes for what, what one one page of a ninety page series. Yeah, it, it wasn't a fuss to me at all. Sure. Now we've, we've been reusing dialogue bother but i mean things things like the king willie thing it was like almost shot for shot that's all but i didn't mind it yeah but how about give us a cool new way that he killed this drug cartel member you know i mean why I mean, do we need there's, to there's plenty of that in there anyway but he's like never I said, done that was, before right the first two, two books i think voodoo's trying to say if you're going to do something do something fresh with it because it was literally him having a blade and everything so maybe if it had been done a little differently but still with the close-up of the scream and then pull. oh he's you missing had, his body oh you had so much new just needs a levitating anyway. torso I mean, somewhere <laughs> <laughs> seeing seeing the two predators up in the trees together, the the robot drone thing, you know, there yeah, was they had, there the was... predators had like these surveillance cameras in the trees, but they yeah. were actually like little bombs too that could detach, and they would seek out a target and and blow them to bits, and those were kind of cool. I'm not saying the whole thing is a homage. I mean, that there's definitely some oh, still original ideas. In well, you know about it's a predator, it's a remake of predator, a retread of predator two, mate. Uh... <laughs> those those two panels I mean that's all it is. <laughs> uh, look, I. <laughs> Here we go again. I never used the word remake. See, it makes you like no, you're that's why I changed it that. to retread. I changed it to retread. You, you saying that does actually make me think. I wonder if they'd have gone on long enough. Would they have brought Harrigan back into this? 
does make you wonder. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting too. Like a I mean, new, I'm a, one I, of the uh, hunters six or seven or something. They'd have. Done I would love with. to be that address, just in or the, Leona in, in, in general. Yeah, I would love to know. And even if they came out with an idea, you know, where uh, we see Leona's child, like you know, yeah. on, on vengeance yeah, for his father's death and all of the heartache that caused, you know. He his existence <laughs> saved his mother. Yes, I'm saying that Lambert is the father of Leona's baby. In my somebody mind. needs somebody needs to go and take the some director back. literally <laughs> disagrees. With you. And the script does too, but hey, it's cut out, so you know it's ambiguous. But um, yeah, I, I struggle with that. It, it feels like you know do something new. I don't I don't mind one, but it just felt like, especially the end. It just felt like I'm watching this scene in ABP with a little touch of Predator too. And I, I just like to see more originality. It's not why why where does this come in someone's head that this is going to be so cool if we just mirror this stuff if it amounted to less than one percent of the entire run i might agree with you but since it doesn't it's yeah it's not even a blip on my radar for this one i mean beyond avp we've seen moments where a mothership arrives and the clan comes out in some of the other comics and in like concrete jungle the game as well so i i didn't mind that bit the whole predator ship over the pyramid thing i mean we also saw that in avp 2010 kind of so like for me that was was not a huge total homage to AVP as much as it is just like, oh yeah, the Predator ship arrives and the clan comes out and that's just something that happens sometimes. But when you listen to you guys, you, you guys go say, I, you know, oh, I didn't mind that bit or that that was okay or that didn't bother me, but it wasn't great. Seeing, no, seeing them yeah. redo King Willie's demise, I mean, it didn't shock us other than show us a callback. Do us something cool where he splits the, the guy's head in half like with a smart disc. I mean, give us something new to all over versus something that Huh, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I can agree with that. You got you got to be. It could have been better homages because I think the homages can work and they can be nice little moments. But yeah, if you do them at the expense of creating new and unique moments for the story you're doing, then then they're out of place. Yeah. I agree with you there. Another bit of the story that was kind of odd to me was when Lugachov's team is monitoring Jaya's team, and Jaya's team throws them off by having a group of people in the hotel take their vehicle and drive off. I'm like, you guys just happen to find all these people in the hotel you're like here wear my shirt and like they all kind of were lookalikes to these characters of like you guys went through the hotel and you picked out your like the closest people there that looked to you just to throw off these russians so that was kind of like what but i guess jaya is pretty resourceful so maybe she could have pulled something like that off but it was still kind of a head scratching moment where it's like really really guys you really did that but yeah i don't know maybe i was the only one who noticed that the one one of them looked like arnold schwarzenegger in that what was it a station wagon or something like that but he had this big black mustache. I don't know if you guys have seen videos where Arnold um, actually appears in gyms and he's in disguise. He has black hair and he has this big black handlebar mustache. Yeah, guy incognito. <laughs> and I forget what he calls himself. I was just Googling it, trying to figure it out. And the, the guy driving there looked exactly like Arnold in that mustache. And I wonder if that was done on purpose. Probably inspired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, it, it wasn't the best writing, but this whole book wasn't. Yeah, John best. actually did reunite with his brother there. He was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You his was like, hey, can you yeah. do this for us? He's like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Where were you all these years? I was there. I was that guy who was giving you that thing. I was also you didn't recognize me because I had my yeah. mustache. <laughs> if you had only stuck around, you would have known. <laughs> <laughs> But to kind of cap, like, would we recommend this comic? I mean, if you enjoyed the first two, you'll get some enjoyment out of this. Like, I... 
I enjoyed a lot of aspects about this. Overall, yes, it was disappointing. And I can chalk some of that up to that they probably had to rush things because of the, the transfer of the license. And that's a shame. I wish Dark Horse was given more time to finalize what they had planned. But I still think you can get some enjoyment about out of this. Like the art is really strong. I think the setting is strong and the characters are still pretty charming. I don't think they did enough with John Schaefer and, and Legachuff, but our core group of characters we've been following, they're still interesting characters. Even with Herrera's personal issues not really explored super well, I still think this is a strong group of characters and I still think this is an enjoyable comic. It's still a 6 out of 10 for me, which is unfortunate because it does have a lot of things going for it, but it's just not to the level of quality for the first two. And I think for this story, focusing on these characters, we needed something a bit different for this one to really start going in interesting new directions rather than, oh, we're exploring my past again and we're here to get these predators again. I wish it would have done something more unique. Yeah, I, I I can't even recommend for someone to even if you're a fan of the first two. I mean, if you if you're a completist like me, you know, you need to have that third volume sitting there. You know, I mean, I have I, I can't stand Alien Resurrection, but there it is on my shelf. <laughs> you know, I say if you if you for me, and I'm a diehard Predator fan. If you're a completist, definitely put it up there. I, I guess some of it there is some good points. It's worth the read. It's to the degree of some of the character interaction and the artwork, but. Do I ever want to revisit this? Probably not. I mean, you know, maybe after 10 years, like Hunter's Planet with Aaron, you know, you, you know, your, your, your memories that bad, but your memory softened on it and you go, hey, let that me revisit that. Story. But it, when you, if you love the first two, just like me, it, it just makes it that much worse. Maybe it'd be okay if there was a fourth one that really sort of tied this up in a nice, neat bow and you go, okay, this was just the lull, you know. But if we don't get one, you know, you can, like I said, complete your collection, but, you know, I don't think you're going to get many return visits here. I agree for completion's sake, yeah, but I, for me, I felt even the art didn't really, it's decent, but it didn't stand out as anything special given the history of Predator comics. So it, it went nowhere, got so confusing that after the first read, I just didn't understand it. I understand it now, but it went nowhere, got confusing pointless inclusion of characters it might have led somewhere down the line but judging it for what it is it just felt like they'd have been better off closing it with number two yeah even though i seem to have scored it lower than aj i do think it's worthwhile because i don't think it falls apart until the fourth issue when it's not tied up nicely the resolution is what's dissatisfying to me Everything else up to that point, I think, is fun. You know, all the Predator stuff's fun, all the character stuff's fun, to the point where I can be like, yeah, read it, enjoy it, just know it doesn't end well. And, you know, we're not going to have a fourth issue to resolve the unresolvedness of the series. I love Brian, and I love Wes. And like I said in the last episode, every single one of, you know, Predator, AV, Alien, AVP, everyone went out on a very high visual note. And I, and I still think that with Hunter's 3. And <laughs> in fact, while we've been talking, I've been looking on Brian's splash page to see if he's still got any good original art left from from his work here to to add on the wall. So... Yeah, I I would say give it a go. It's not as good as the others, especially not as good as number two as far as I'm concerned. But there's still stuff of value to be found in it. There's still lots of elements in it that I did enjoy. Just that last issue didn't didn't work for, well for me. That's all. Aaron says at least get it for the homages. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, get it for Predator 2 too, at least. <laughs> and realize this, you, if you want it, you should get it soon because who knows when Marvel's going to reprint this and Dark Horse can't reprint anything anymore. So you can't get it digitally. You only could for a little bit. If you want the paperback, I would get on it. It'd be uh-huh. nice if they put these all in one book. And maybe Marvel will do that down the road. You know, one little hardcover of the whole Hunter series. Well, they're already, I mean, we've already got Predator, the original years, Omnibus 1, um, already announced anyway. And, you know, those those Omnibuses are a lot bigger in terms of what they're collecting than Dark Horse had been doing. Yeah. So we're probably talking about, what, three? Uh, if they follow the same sort of line, and I bet we'll end up with those in. Is that what it's called, the original years? I think that's it. Let me just check. Predator, the college years. It'd be nice if goes to work. One day they, you know, they combine them in, into their own versus a full on the bus with a lot more, you know, where you could just mm-hmm. capture it. The original that, years, yeah. Yeah. I was glad yeah. we got those really nice hardcovers for, we got two for Aliens and then one for Predator and one for AVP. Like they all look great. Even the Defiance one as well. But I mean, as yeah. much as that series dived off the end towards the end, it, it yeah, was a nice collection. The hardcovers are nice. And, and it's Chris. What was Chris Warner in um, what became known as Concrete Jungle? Was he, he a was part of that one? He was the artist. Right. So it. it's interesting that he's sort of capped Dark Horse's Predator stuff from the very start to the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been a real asset to the- Same thing uh, with Stradley too, right? Yeah, uh, Randy Stradley. He's, uh, they are both, I think, sort of like high up editors. Um, so even though he's an editor, Chris has Chris has been writing, and Radley was actually editing this. But he's series. credited for the artwork, right? On Concrete Jungle, in in the original, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's right. right. And some but, of the cover art, I think, is not the the famous above New York skyline with the spear thing, isn't that, Chris's? I think so. You know, um, I agree with you, Aaron, in regards to this started out strong. And if you if you check me in some old forum pages when the first two comics out uh, were out, I was uh, the two, first two issues. I was I was excited. I was like, I thought this was going to live up to form. And and again, I also purchased some original artwork. It was just you know, it's not how you finish. It's or it's not how you start. It's how you finish, right? That's- it's the Alien Three of uh, Predator Hunters serious <laughs> well i mean i mean even even it being a bit of a damp squib at the end of it, it doesn't diminish how you know awesome that piece you have is or anything like that no, no, no i agree the panels in yeah. the in the paper mm. yeah i mean the yeah. only original art i own is from defiance and you know that downhill where um, do you buy that original art by the way the artists offer it themselves typically or um, they usually go through brokers i think yeah so brian sells his stuff through a website called splash page hmm. and i don't know if there's others on there I, just, I know brian's on there i've seen him advertised quite a few times and tristan sold him his himself yeah but- even though it wasn't quite original artwork it was because tristan worked digitally so he did like one-off artist prints and they were you'll, what he sold you'll find different art dealers sign different artists and then it's an exclusive thing and i imagine the dealer makes a certain percentage off the sale and they'll sit uh-huh. there and post it and they'll, they'll they'll handle the shipping and the advertising of it and you sometimes can also find individual sellers i think it's a website called comicartfans.com and they also you know once someone like obviously i own this artwork if i ever wanted to sell it that'd be a good place to do it other than ebay and you find just just a lot of fans of comic art original comic art and you can you know you can uh, find some good pieces there I actually once missed a um, piece from 1718, which is still killing me. So, yeah, I noticed it a little late and it was already sold. So, And as far as the Predator comic series transition to Marvel, we just have seen the first crossover alternate 
like variant covers for their regular superhero stuff where you have like Spider-Man versus the Predator and, and others like that. Kind of like we saw with Alien before they announced the first Alien comic that will be coming out next month. So hopefully it won't be too long Absolutely. before they announce the first Predator comic that uh, hopefully won't be coming out too long after the Alien one. I'm, I'm really hoping we get that soon. And I think we will since we've got the variant cover art. But I kind of want them to continue the format of Hunters, but I don't want them to do, to do it because I don't want it to be too much of a repeat you know because we have the same thing in stalking shadows we had the same thing in um hunters and hunted and we had the same thing in hunters so you know two out of three actually hitting the mark's been nice but i don't want to keep following that too much but it'd be interesting to see what they do yeah i'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to that announcement to put a nice bow on this um like we did with uh, thicker than blood um comic book roundup uh rotten tomatoes for comic books has the you know, of course, there was only a couple issues. They're not reviewing the entire trade, but combined score, they have a critic rating of 7.1 for Predator Hunters 3. So, Sorry, take that again. How much was that? Uh, 7.3 for issues 1 and issues 2. Just like so thicker we're, one, I mean, only... we're slightly lower than average. Uh, yeah. Okay. But they, I was they... a 6. Aaron, you were a 6? Yeah. And I was a 6.5. Eric, you were 5.5, right? For uh, this five. one, I was a 5 out of 10. Okay. But in three. fairness to us, they didn't get to review the finish. So yeah, yeah I, I, I I'm pretty sure I'd scored the 1 and 2 higher. Yeah. I wasn't a massive fan of 1 and 2 like um, Voodoo. But, um, in all yeah, fairness, you're not really a massive this. fan of the expanded universe in general. Though. I can. It depends on the stories. Yeah, but there's so few of them I think I've ever seen. Yeah, but it's like the more recent ones. The what, that you like or you don't like? Well, the ones we've reviewed, yeah, clearly. But, I mean, I can go back to older ones. I say, I really like this one. I really like that one. It's just whenever I'm on here, (laughs) that's the problem. So whenever I'm on a podcast talking about a comic, it's going to be. But this is when we go back to some of the older stuff and Eric then hates it. And then I'm just like, no, no, you know I'll you be know like what? Alien, Alien. That one was, and Sacrifice. Those are some of my best my Sacrifice comic stories. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you don't like some of the more popular ones, if I remember Harder. right. I don't, I don't think you're into Labyrinth or Destroying yeah. Angels. No, Labyrinth, I've always thought, was a bit too over the top, personally. But I still think like- the Hunter series here, like all three of them, especially when we were feeling so down about The Predator, it was kind oh, of, yeah. it was very important for the franchise, these comics, mm-hmm. I feel, to help it regain its footing a little bit. And so I totally credit the whole series for that. Even three, even if three was disappointing, I feel like the Predator Hunter story was very important in Predator comics overall. And I also credit Predator Hunting Grounds video game. That too. That too. That definitely helped. And hopefully we won't be disappointed again next year, which is when I'm still suspecting we'll be seeing the next movie. Right. Well, I don't think anybody else has got anything left to say on this one then. I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay. Well, in that case, thank you everybody who has been listening or watching, depending on your outlets. As always, if your outlet is, you know, does support leaving reviews and ratings, please do, especially iTunes, please do leave us a comment, uh, a review and and a rating. It helps our accessibility, our our, uh, viewability as as an overall show and and would be very much appreciated. If you want to find out more about us, uh, the hub of our activity is actually on AVP 
geekygalaxy.net. We do have a old school message board, which is nice and organized, much like I like them. We're on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube as AVP Galaxy or Alien versus Predator Galaxy versus as in VS. Check out YouTube in particular. You know, we're all really trying to ramp it up with the stuff we're doing on there, not just the video podcast, but law videos and editorial pieces. I've just put up one to do with Hunter's Planet. Uh, AJ's working on Fortnite. a new... Say again? Fortnite. That's what you're doing, right, AJ? Uh, no. AJ AJ's <laughs> working on an interesting Predator 2 one. But he's yeah, not working on Fortnite. He's correct. Yep. Predator has debuted in Fortnite. If so, you've been reading our news, you know that. Mm-hmm. So AJ's going to be doing some video footage of that one. I've got a Prometheus one coming up shortly about how Alien turned into that. And Adam, are you still working on the similarities? I'm, I'm working on a few more unboxing videos as well as an editorial of the similarities between AVP and Prometheus. And I do have some more lore videos I want to do as well. It's been a while since my last one, which I believe was the Bad Bloods. Uh, <laughs> the very first one. You're right. So it's been a while. But yes, we are we are all working on our videos. We appreciate all our recent subscribers on on our YouTube channel, and we do want to grow that and have a diverse array of content. Our next podcast is going to be a, a pretty big interview, so we are looking forward to that, and uh, we hope you enjoy that, Matt Lance. Well, feel free to tease that one. Oh, it's just Studio ADI. We're having them again uh, this time. It will be both Tom and Alec. We uh, when we had Alec on last in 2018, we mainly focused on the Predator. But in this one, we will be discussing the uh, wider history of Studio ADI's involvement with the franchises. So I am very much looking forward to that. Aaron and I are prepping for it right now. So yeah, that'll be our next one. And then after that, it's probably going to be, I don't know, because it depends how fast Adam reads this, but Alex White's new alien novels out, um, Intertribdis. So we'll be we'll be looking at that one soon. And we also have the original screenplay of Alien to talk about as well. And I'm chasing down a few more interviews as well. I don't have Alien Day locked in yet. It's making me nervous because we're getting pretty close to... Uh, well, I told you about an idea for that one that we'll discuss a bit more later. But, you know, there's, there's some, uh, some bait out there, but nothing locked in yet, unfortunately. Real quick, if you'd like to pick this up on paperback, while you still can, we're going to include a Amazon affiliate link in the video description and it helps support our channel. So if you're looking to purchase that from Amazon anyway, use the link in the description if you'd like to help out. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. And the Tee Public page. We also have a Tee Public page with some cool um, alien and predator stuff and some unique to us designs, which Adam's wearing right now. I don't know if this is a Tee. Oh, yes, this is a Tee Public one. You're right. This is one of our original designs that we had done by Adam Milsevic. Some artwork we commissioned for the site. Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking Indeed. for t-shirts, head over to Tee Public. And you can find a link to that on, on avpgalaxy.net. It's down one of the sides. You'll see the little Tee Public um, symbol. We'll also throw in the link in the video description. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But, you know, for those listening, that doesn't help them. That's true. But, you know, that's you can find it by going to avpgalaxy.net and looking on the uh, the social links, and there'll be a little T-Public um, icon. Right, this has been Corporal Hicks. Rich Top. Voodoo Magic. Xenomorphine. <laughs> Get into the chopper. And for those wondering why I just chuckled then, Eric decided to hold up a little plush face again. A little hug. I wonder if, is that the same one I have? It's a loot crate exclusive, which is why I've not taken it out of the bag. I'm worried it might be a collector's edition. Yeah, that one. Yeah. You know, if, anyway. I, was, if I was the guy closing this, I'd be like, you know, it'd be, and, and I'm the guy you want to punch in the face. <laughs> well. Get to the chopper. <laughs> agree with. <sighs> Team Sorry, Voodoo. Inside joke, guys. Inside joke. Sorry. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>